We are talking women and people of color in horror. Get ready to blast off into the world of entertainment with Pop Culture Planet. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Pop Culture Planet. I'm your host, Kristen Maldonado, and each week we are joined by incredible experts for analytical pop culture discussions. This episode, I am thrilled to be joined by Ana Sofia of Film Posers Podcast and Elliot of Movie Files. How are you guys doing? What's going on, everybody? How are we doing? Elliot, you are a returning guest. This is so yes. exciting. This is the sequel. We're talking about horror films and, and stuff tonight. This is the sequel, and this will be a sequel to remember. So yeah, very excited to be back. <clears throat> yes, yes. I am so excited. So um, to kick things off, let's dive into you guys' entertainment origins. Ana Sofia, if you want to start first of kind of how you got into content creation, podcasting, and where your love of pop culture comes from. So, first of all, um, my name is Ana Sofia, and I'm a student, uh, I'm a film student in Sagrado Corazón, and it all started because I wanted to enter in production. So, in my production classes today, I actually had a computer class, which one of the main tasks were like, oh, let's make a blog. So, I actually started as blogging, and I have a blog called Unknown Real, which I do film uh, reviews. I also do commentary and analysis. After, like a year later or so, um, with my friends and I, we started film posters, which is actually four bodicas that we just rant and rave about cinema. And we like to highlight about the Latinx community, and we also like to talk about our favorite films and such. That's awesome. Now, do you have a favorite? Um, Latinx project that came out this year? Yes, I kind of do. That was actually one of the things I wanted to talk about. So one of the films that I recently watched is actually called Vampires vs. the Bronx. Oh, awesome. So we'll yeah. definitely get into that more yeah. later. But yeah, that was a fun one. It yeah. was. <laughs> now, Elliot, we've we've met you before, so we know a little yeah. bit about you. Could you tell us, uh, you know, for those who, who haven't met you yet, a little bit about your channel and what you're working on now? Yeah, it's uh, so I'm at Movie Files here on YouTube, and uh, it's just any and everything revolving around the movie industry regarding like movie reviews, TV reviews, just kind of that fun stuff. And you know, I talk about the big blockbuster stuff when there are big blockbusters to talk about, such as Tenet and things of that nature. But also, you know, this year has given me the opportunity to uh, cover like independent film festivals, like Fantasia Film Festival this year. So, talking about the kind of small niche projects, especially genre projects like horror uh, genre and things of that nature, uh, but then having conversations on a weekly basis for shows like Lovecraft Country, The Boys, uh, you know, Ted Lasso, Apple TV Plus, uh, Raised by Wolves. So I just kind of, I, I want to be that person on YouTube, very similar to what Kristen does, having those people that, you know, they don't think people are watching the same things that they are, but I want to be able to be, you know, kind of that outlet that we can just talk about anything from horror, comedy, action, superheroes, and so on and so forth. And, and especially when it comes to, uh, you know, people of color and being in front of the camera, behind the camera, things of that nature. So a lot of, a lot of fun uh, reviews, live streams, and all that fun stuff here at uh, Movie Files on YouTube. So yeah, check me out, guys. Awesome. Now, you mentioned the, uh, the film festivals. I've been covering some of them too. What has been one of your favorite films 
that you watched so far from uh, the festivals? Well, for Fantasia in particular, it's probably, again, going with the theme of horror, uh, the Mortuary Collection. I really enjoyed that uh, kind of anthology, uh, which I, I, anthologies can be hit or miss because it's just like sometimes some of the stories are more prevalent and a little bit more uh, put together than others. But I really had a good time with uh, the Mortuary Collection. Uh, and there was a couple other like smaller comedies and just other films I saw, but that one definitely stood out for me for uh, Fantasia. Yeah, that one was a fun one. I, I love yeah. that the guy who was kind of the uh, creepy mortician was the yeah. guy who's also the voice of Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so good. So yeah, today's topic, we are really going to be diving into and exploring women and people of color in horror. And I, I really wanted to dive into this topic because I feel like this is one of um, a couple of spaces in film where people don't always represent women and people of color in the best light, you know, like, and I think that there's a lot that we could do to shed light on the positives and also like improve a lot. I think sometimes people just don't think that we're into horror, you know, like there's these stereotypes of like what, what, uh, what we're into and, and for mm -hmm. some reason people are not realizing horror, like everyone loves horror, like who doesn't love horror? Yeah. There's so many different genres you can dive into, um, whether it's funny or, you know, anthologies or slashers or, you know, there's so much. Um, so I'd love to start off by talking about what are some of you guys' favorite horror projects um, of recent years? Yeah, I mean, definitely one that comes to mind. I think he's becoming like the, um, almost the Hitchcock of our time with uh, Jordan Peele. You know, I think of uh, 2000, was it almost, was it 2016 now or 2017, Get Out? And then, uh, which is crazy that it's only been a year, but last year's Us, uh, which seems like so long ago. Uh, but, you know, I think Jordan Peele has really kind of put the, as you just mentioned, lack of uh, people of color in horror films, having Lupita Nyong'o being the lead of us, having, you know, Daniel Kaluuya being the lead of Get Out and primarily, you know, black cast members being in front and behind the camera. So I think he's definitely kind of the uh, the leading man in that sense of kind of bringing black stories to the to the big screen. And they do incredibly well at the box office, which has led him to be executive producer of Twilight Zone, uh, being an executive producer with J.J. Uh, Abrams and, and Misha Green's Lovecraft Country. So definitely Jordan Peele, whenever I see his name attached to a project, I get excited for it. And especially when it comes to him doing movies that he does himself. I, I just love Jordan Peele when he has to do with, uh, like I said, Get Out and, uh, and last year's Us. So he's definitely uh, someone that comes to mind. Yeah, I think that he's so versatile and so oh, yeah. talented and like mm -hmm. i love that you know i think people really underestimated him when get out was first coming out it's like this guy yeah. isn't he a comedian like mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to come out with this project that just i think changed the game and made yeah. such a huge name for him in the horror space and yeah. um and all the projects you mentioned i really love it there's just something about being able to see these stories being told that mm -hmm. It just, it makes me so excited. Lovecraft Country, that's one that I think everybody's been watching and it's like, you can't miss it, you know? I love that we're seeing that now where like these projects are becoming can't miss projects featuring, starring, you know, yep. written by, directed yep. by um, people of color. That's, that's 100%. What about you, Anna? So I really want to highlight some of the things that, well, the thing that you said, how women, they are perceived that they can write or direct horror. So I want to highlight some of the directors, such as Jennifer Ken with The Babadook, The Nightingale, or Kusama with Jennifer's Body, The Invitation. But 
there was also a movie recently that not many people talked about. It was like throughout the years. It was a, it was a movie called Cam, which is written yeah, by yeah. Amase. It was really like a great film. It also talks a lot about the sex industry and they united with horror. It was a different take in it. Um, and yeah, um, the other um, the other film that I really kind of want to highlight, even though they still hasn't come out, which I'm really excited, is Nyanya Costa's The Candyman. Oh yeah. Yes. I'm really excited for that. I really want to see her take on it. And yeah, just to highlight how women, yeah, women do like write horror. They do like to direct it. Like, you just gotta give her a space to be able to create these kind of stories. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys had checked out um, Lucky uh, by Bria Grant. That was another like uh, film festival project. Um, she's been doing so many cool things in the horror space. She also did um, 12 Hour Shift with Lucky in particular. You know, she's telling this story of a, a woman who's being basically attacked every night by this man who no matter how many times she fights back, he just keeps coming back every night. And it kind of has like a little bit of like a supernatural vibe to it. But also the, the whole message is really about how women in abusive situations have a hard time getting out of them. And it, it, they kind of turned it into a whole horror story. And the whole idea is kind of like, well, you know, this is just what we have to deal with. This is how it is. And, yeah. and kind of being like, what, why? Why is this how it is? And so I find it so interesting when we do get to dive into these stories by other people, you know, by women, by people of color, that we get to dive into also these more, uh, at times, like analytical or like, you know, social issues led stories where we're actually diving into something deeper, but showing it through the lens of horror. I always think that that's so fascinating. It also reminds yeah. me of um, Relic, which was also directed or written and directed by a woman, Natalie Erica James. And that was a really interesting story of like dealing with dementia mm -hmm. and how that horror can like affect a whole family in it. They really yeah. like physically, yeah. you know, made that horror come to life, but you're, you're mm -hmm. tackling this story yeah i really had a good time with uh with 12 hour uh shift i thought that was a, a really fun kind of throwback 80s kind of uh horror film with a little bit of uh secure satirical nature to it i really had a good time with that film and, and she's definitely someone to keep an eye out for when it comes to uh the horror genre so i'm a big fan of her work for sure actually something i found really interesting about 12 hour shift i got a chance to interview uh some of the cast and mm -hmm. the woman who played uh the the cousin the the, the wild cousin oh, uh, regina yeah <clears throat> she um you know we were talking about how it's so interesting that in a different story her character you know this bubbly blonde a little ditzy yeah. probably would have been killed off um, right away and instead uh, no spoilers but you know she's the opposite of killed off you know and um <laughs> you know i thought that was so refreshing to be able to mm -hmm. see this story where like you know it's just not what you expect it also brings to mind um buffy the vampire slayer how that mm -hmm. whole concept around buffy was about you know oh there's like this blonde cheerleader in other projects she would have been killed off right away but what if we mm -hmm. switched that on its head and we had yeah. this character be badass and like actually fight off these, you know, evil monsters. Um, right. And I love seeing when we switch up stories like that. 100%. Yeah. Speaking of that, let's dive into a, a couple more, I guess, um, you know, maybe stereotypes that we see within horror, whether they're, you know, positive or negative. Going off of that idea of uh, Chloe Farnsworth character, uh, mm. slashers preferring blondes, you know, you always see like these <laughs> slasher going after like that very, you yeah. know, you know, bubbly naive, 
cheerleader type. Um, and I feel like that's how actually a lot of the screen movies start off, right? Like the the yep. pretty blonde girls getting killed. Yeah. Uh, but I got to say, I'm really excited for the new stream that's coming up because they keep casting a lot of Hispanic actresses yeah. Um, yeah. or Latino actresses that I'm like, oh, wow, okay, this looks this looks exciting to me. I feel like we don't usually see a lot of Latinos in this space. So yeah, it's very true. And and I hope too, and, and, and I have faith in the directors from Ready or Not that they're not just using these new because a lot of them are kind of newer actors in the space or worked on small projects on tv i hope they're not used as like the kills i hope they're not like killing off half the cast and just leaving us with the main the originals coming back i hope that the latinx cast really kind of sticks through to the end and maybe have their own set of movies to move forward with so hopefully uh like i said they're in good hands and i, and I feel like they're gonna uh take this next set of uh, screen movies into the right direction. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I didn't realize it was the Ready or Not directors. I loved mm -hmm. Ready or Not. That was a- Oh, that, that was so much fun. Flipping the uh, final girl slash mm -hmm. damsel distress kind of ideas on its head. Yep, yeah. Samara Weaven, she's great. She's one of my favorite up and comers. Speaking of like kind of scream queens and kind of this new generation, I really uh, look forward to what she does next. She seems to pick some really interesting projects and she's a fantastic up and coming actress in my mind. So Samara Weaven is definitely someone I always keep an eye out for. Yeah. Speaking of, of scream queens, do you guys feel like there are any like up and coming scream queens uh, that you're, you know, keeping an eye out for like Samara Weaving? Yeah. Um, going to the line with the ones in the slasher films um the ones that that defeat that kind of defeat the archetype of the dumb one it has to be also the main character of um happy death day oh mm -hmm. yes yeah, uh, yeah. Three. uh jessica <laughs> Roth. yeah, jessica she's Roth, yeah. Mm -hmm. she she definitely is trying to get away from the stereotypical dumb one and she's yeah. like an up-and-coming screen queen that people generally like it's a compelling character that people really like and they want to see more of her in films. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's great. She just recently had that TV show Utopia come out. Oh, yeah. People kind of slept on a little bit, but yeah, yeah. She's, she's definitely great. Yeah, she's awesome. Would you say Emma Roberts? Will you put her in that category? She was in Scream 4. She's in a Scream Queens, the TV show, which I really love the first couple seasons of that, and particularly the first season. Uh, and then, of course, her relationship with uh, Ryan Murphy with uh, American Horror Story. So I would say Emma Roberts kind of plays against the grain, where she sometimes plays into the whole ditzy uh, blonde character, but then at the same time, you see her in uh, you know American Horror Story Covenant. You see her, what she does in, in Scream Queens. So I think Emma Roberts has a pretty good uh, uh, space that she's carving out in the horror genre. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I do consider, I, yeah, I can consider as a new screen queen. Definitely. Yeah. Victoria Petretti? Is, is that how you pronounce oh, her name? With uh, American, with uh, um, Haunting, with uh, Mike Flanning. I think that they have a really good kind of relationship mm -hmm. that they have going uh, with the Haunting on Hill House and, and Blind Manor. I think she's someone that has really been doing a great job on TV, whether it be you season two and then, of course, mm -hmm. Like I said, her as Nell uh, in uh, Haunting on Hill House and in this new season as the uh, the babysitter. I think she's she hasn't went to the big screen yet, but I think she's been doing a great job on television shows. So I think uh, Victoria is someone that I, I would really look forward to in the horror genre. Sure, definitely. She's someone that's been standing out in the two seasons of um, Haunting on Hill House. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, those are those are great ones. Another TV person, but uh, Sarah Paulson's always on top of my list. She's always, whenever she's... Whether it be Ratchet most recently, or again when she teams up with Ryan Murphy, and then she's been trying to get 
I mean, she's been doing movies like 12 Years a Slave and stuff like that, but she has that movie coming out in November Run. Uh, mm -hmm. She was in last or two years ago with Bird Box. So I love Sarah Paulson. I think especially when she teams up with Ryan Murphy and American Horror Story, she's always like to stand out for me. So I love me some Sarah Paulson. Yeah. Do you think that there's any uh, any people in, in projects now that could be like future Scream Queens? I'm thinking maybe like Letty from... Oh. Uh, Oh, see, yeah, I was, I was just gonna say, yeah, uh, Journey Smollett. Yeah, she is so, oh man, especially from Lovecraft Country, she is so great. And she, I mean, she's been doing it. She, she was like a little girl on television, and she's so great in Lovecraft Country. She's my favorite character, uh, Letty. I love her. Uh, she is so fantastic. That's a good call. I, I really look forward to seeing her coming off of Birds of Prey and then off of Lovecraft. Her just be propelled to the big screen and really shining out. She is so great. I love uh, Journey Smollett. She's super, super talented. And also, too, uh, just came to mind, uh, uh, Anna Taylor-Joy. I think she's a, a great up-and-coming actress yeah. in the horror realm, whether it be uh, Robert Eggers' The Witch or M. Night Shyamalan's Split in Glass. Uh, I think she's been doing a really good job, too. So someone I, I love seeing when she's attached to projects. And she's also going to do um, Last Night in Soho with Edgar Wright. Yes. Yeah. yeah. going to be a vampire. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I can't wait to see it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Now, let's see, what other stereotypes can we dive into? A lot of times we see minorities are one of the first to die in horror movies, oh, yeah. which is <laughs> just like, you yeah. know, I think in general, you know, um, a lot of American horror films, they just, you know, they focus on like these white casts. And I've been trying to think like what horror movies or what, you know, even like fun Halloween movies don't feature just all white casts. And I had a really hard time there were a couple that I thought of, but like, especially in like recent years, like I feel like when I go back to like watch some like fun horror Halloween-ish movies, yeah. you know, there's not a lot of diversity. So, you know, like one, like you mentioned, Anna, that was I thought was really fun was Vampires versus the Bronx, because I feel mm -hmm. like that's mm -hmm. not something we've seen before. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about what you loved about it. Yeah, sure. So... With Vampires vs. the Bronx, I really liked how there was a lot of Latinidad representation. That we That's the thing that we mostly do not see in horror films. And the other thing is how they just don't stereotype when they're talking Spanish. Because when they do talk Spanish, it's mostly like common words. But in the film, they just didn't use common words. They used phrases that we Puerto Ricans or like other Latinx um, people use in their daily life. And they also had a little bit of hints that we enjoyed, like a uh, hint that us, the, full, the film folks, really enjoyed how they used the adobo for like, yeah. for repelling um, the vampires or mm -hmm. like a thing that I really, that really made me laugh is how they used La, este, la Mesa de Domino for, for as a shield. So it's like, like in some way you can kind of like, Hey, I feel identified with these characters, and right, right. even though that, yeah, it is a family movie. It is. It's not for everyone because I feel that not many people can appreciate this movie because obviously they cannot. For example, it's just for kids mostly, or it's for like Latinos that could probably like feel represented in this film. So it's a movie that I and. My, fr my group of friends really enjoyed. We literally cheered when we just saw a little Puerto Rican flag and like just behind the group of friends, but yeah. it was there. So it's a film that I really recommend watching. 
Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I had so much fun watching that film because, mm. like you said, uh, well, I just feel like sometimes, you know, we when we do get Latino representation, it's very like it's kind of a lot of the same Latino representation. Like, right. you know, we get to see a lot of like Mexican culture, a lot of like East L.A. So like to see some Puerto Ricans and Dominicans in New York, I was like, mm -hmm. that's like that's my family. My family's from the Bronx. And like, um, you know, it just felt like. Yeah, like you're seeing something that like feels really authentic. Like it didn't feel like, oh, we're just trying to say a couple words because like, you know, that's what, you know, people do. Or like, um, I loved how they even played on like some, you know, some things that you expect to happen in movies. And then they yeah. like did it. So like at the end when the guy thinks like, oh, is it time for me to like give you a kiss? And she's like, no. <laughs> No, it's not. Yeah, like, yeah. We're just friends, you know, and like little yep. things like that, the adobo. I was like, yes, like we got a door in my house. I feel like I'm prepared for, <laughs> I'm prepared for the vampire invasion. vampire, how, yeah. Yeah, and also just how they, uh, you know, kind of told, uh, again, as we've said, a deeper story, but using mm -hmm, a horror mm -hmm. language. So, you know, we're talking about gentrification. Yeah, yeah. Horror is something that, you know, a fictional story that a lot of people can relate to, but then we got to see it in this perspective of like these Afro-Latino and like Latino kids that like, I've never seen that before. Like I've never seen a family-friendly horror movie that's like little Hispanic kids, you know? Yeah. Like how cool is that? Um, so just maybe feel like, really nice you know i'm like oh you, you couldn't have said it better chris i mean that's you hit the nail you guys have both hit the nail on the head as far as just like how they were able to use that story having fun we've never seen that story being told in that lens and in that community and also the importance of community and how important it is to especially in horror films we always talk you know when they're killing off people left and right but when you have a community behind you how many things you can defeat how much you can you know bring your community save the community as they did you know without spoiling it but you know fighting for their um yeah. bodegas and fighting for their local yeah. shops things of that nature so i thought that film was so much fun uh kind of a, again throwback to an 80s lost boys meets you know fright night but in another like i said having the latinx community the black community being a part of that uh adventure that we really don't see uh, on, on on film so it was so much fun and just the i love also too when you have a film being brought by minorities, you get some you get some flavor, right? You get a little yeah. bit of extra love, whether, whether it be the soundtrack, whether it be the score, just it has livelihood. It, it feels like you can, it's touchable, it's tangible. These feels like real life characters. So I love the authenticity that the film brought as well. So it, it was such a fun film. I, I highly recommend everyone give uh, Vampires uh, versus the Bronx a watch if you guys get a chance. Absolutely. I'm going to bring up a comment really quick from Adam Daly, who says that he loved that film so much. And his little Latina daughter, who's six, now wants to kill vampires. <laughs> nice, <laughs> and nice. Uh, he loves seeing the <laughs> film and he wants to yeah. see where they bring on werewolves. That would actually be nice. Cool. <laughs> nice. You know, I would love Very to see cool. like, werewolves versus the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. Continue. Yeah, the there you go. Build that universe out for sure. That would be, that's a great idea. Somebody. Put the money to that. Give Adam Daly the money. Give Adam in a script. Let him write the script, guys. He's writing it for you. Let's see what else. We also have a quick comment here that says, uh, from the Latinx book one, that says, absolutely love this. Film posters in the house. Nice. <laughs> love. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was a fun one. Uh, and you know, another project that I've really enjoyed um, that I wish was a little bit more diverse, but I feel like the, the character that's in it, that's, the standout is is Latino is um what we do in the shadows Guillermo mm. <laughs> yeah Dude, yeah he deserved <laughs> all the awards like he should have been nominated for Emmys his role was so fun because Incredible. you're seeing 
this Latino guy, basically he wants to become a vampire, but it turns out he's actually a descendant from Van Helsing. And so he's really mm. a vampire hunter. And so it was, it was really fun to watch his story. And, um, you know, I think Harvey Gillen, man, he, he got robbed at the Emmys yeah. this year, you know? He, yeah. he, really, yeah. <laughs> he really got robbed. Yeah, I still gotta check that show out because I love the movie, but I haven't seen the show quite yet. But I hear so many people talking how great it is. I have to sit down and check it out. Yeah, it's definitely fun. I think Guillermo's a standout in my opinion, but maybe it's related to him. If you definitely love the the movie, you're gonna definitely love the TV show for sure. That's what everyone's been saying. I gotta sit down and watch it. Definitely gotta check it out. Are there any you know movies or TV shows that are horror or? You know, Halloweenish that you guys love that that did fe- feature people of color because you know that were the focus because I thought of a couple of other yeah. ones um, that I don't know if you guys also maybe have on your lists. <clears throat> well, recently <laughs> I've been watching Lovecraft Country. Yes, <laughs> and yes, I love it. It has really great representation. Yeah, and the stories are amazing. I love how each um, episode ta- tackles a different subgenre and horror. Mm-hmm. I gotta say that my favorite episode is the third one. Because I I absolutely love the the scene where Letty was doing the seance. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was it was definitely mind blowing. And mm-hmm. can we talk about how the second episode felt like a season finale? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the first two episodes, I was like, wait, is this the whole season? <laughs> like, it <everything laughs> happened already. No, nope, yeah. So much more. Yeah. Um. Each episode really is like something mind blowing and. It really craves like okay, I want more. Like, what's gonna happen mm-hmm. next? Especially in the last episode, with the last episode was definitely had a lot of social commentary. It also yeah. was scary, um, but I really like how Misha Green, uh, a woman of color, she is like deep within the project and really has great representation and people of color. It also had Asian representation with. Of the Korean character, and even has yeah. indigenous representation in an mm. episode. So I really like how um, the show is going, like the road. So I kind of I want to know what's gonna happen next. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lovecraft has been like um, the the thing to watch on Sunday. Like, I do not want to mm-hmm. miss the latest episode of Lovecraft Country. And like you said, Anna, the uh, what Misha Green is doing is something just that we've really never seen on, especially with the backing of HBO, with the budget, with the mm-hmm. visual effects, the performances, whether it be Jonathan Majors, Journey Smollett, you know, Courtney B. Vance, uh, Womi Moshaku. I mean, the cast has just been slaying it every single episode. And I don't want to get too much into because I, I watched episode nine earlier today. And it's just like, I, I just love what's going on with this show. And I don't know if we're going to season two, but if we don't, I hope Mr. Green continues to tell these type of stories, uh, whether it be television or translates the film. But yeah, Lovecraft Country has been a, a thing that I just love the conversations that's being had. Love how this show, we were talking about the layers of, um, you know, vampires versus the Bronx, the layers of just showing black stories and the trauma mm-hmm. that comes with those stories and them reclaiming themselves, reclaiming their name and, you know, setting up their own legacy. So I just love what Misha Green is doing with Lovecraft Country. And it's just been such a fun journey every single week. It's just like, you don't know what to expect next. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Really quick. I want to bring up a comment from James. He says, I thought Lovecraft was a romantic drama. Now I have to watch. So <laughs> a little bit of context. James. Lovecraft <laughs> is, um, horror that uh, was, you know, basically a genre created by H.P. Lovecraft, who did a lot of like um, sci-fi horror, like crazy stuff. And, um, you know, they kind of, you know, he was kind of like a notorious racist. So 
in yeah. doing Lovecraft Country, they were able to take his legacy and kind of be like, screw you, racist. Like, yeah. stories <laughs> of, of yeah, he's definitely turning over in his grave right now. Yeah. But, you know, it's telling these stories of, of racism yeah. and how that's kind of like the real horror, but also dealing with like crazy sci-fi mm -hmm. monsters and whatnot. And every episode, what I really love about this show actually is how every episode, even though they're telling this overarching story, it feels like a different genre. Like the yeah. first episode's like a road trip horror thing. And then the second mm -hmm. episode is you're like meeting these crazy, like witch- Freemason cult-like following, yeah. People. The mm -hmm. third one was uh, like a haunted house. The fourth mm -hmm. one was, was like a national treasure, like Indiana Jones vibe. The yep. fifth one was like a Twilight Zone. Like they do every- episode felt like you're watching something completely different but then the stories connect and you're just right. like what is yeah. this <laughs> ah, you know like That's terrifying mm -hmm. um, and it's like the horrors of of monsters and also the horrors of racism yeah. um so yeah definitely a must watch I definitely going back a little bit did anybody watch uh twitches i feel like that was like a a classic that was bringing you know women of color to the forefront as these like powerful witches uh it was a disney channel original movie not exactly horror horror but still yeah. like Halloween. uh t and tamara maori you know always good to see just like you know i feel like you like you never really see women of color as like you know as these powerful witches uh, we were kind of doing an episode on that last week about how like there's just something about like the idea of witches that everyone very much limits it. It's like always mm -hmm. these like either a young, beautiful white woman or a mm -hmm. old, decrepit white woman, <laughs> you know. And so, witches, yeah. um, T and Tamara are playing these girls. I found out that they were these like twin witches, twitches. Yep. <laughs> and um, I've heard that they wanted to do a Twitches 3 and and tap Chloe and Hallie, which I would be 100% down hey, for. Hey, we got Disney Plus. They can make it happen, right? <clears throat> yes. Oh, that that would be iconic if, like, they each had a like daughters that, mm -hmm. like, carried on legacy. Make it happen, Disney. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, and um, really quick, going back to Lovecraft, um, the Latinx book corner says that she loves that with Lovecraft – a woman of color is telling the story because the book was written yeah. by a white man. So, you know, mm. a lot of things changed for the better. So it was also a book yeah. if anyone has to check that out. I didn't grow up with Twitches, <laughs> but I did grow up with the Haunted Mansion. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It, it was, it's a it's it's a quirky film, but obviously yeah. it's for children's and it's such it's I really liked it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's full of representation, obviously. Yeah. Eddie Murphy, he actually is the one that contains like the the humor in it, and he's the one he's the, like the live of the of the movie per se. Mm -hmm. And I also really like how they tone down the horror for children, but at the same time, it's such an introduction to them because yeah. it, like it does have its scary elements, but in a sense, they can take it. Yeah, even though there's some like creepy zombie things going on. <laughs> The singing ghosts or exactly. like the little ghost heads. Yeah. 
Yeah, this oh this God. shows you how crazy my childhood was. I, I've seen both of those films, but it was just like much when I was a lot older. But for me, like growing up with like Tales from the Hoods and Tales from the Crypt, uh, oh, especially like the Demon Knight and stuff like that, that was like what I was watching at a young <laughs> age, which I shouldn't have been watching. Um, I remember watching of, Tales from the Hood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That 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 was like back in the day. I, that used to creep me out, especially the story with the, the slave master and the the, creep, the little things coming back to life. But you know that was something I grew up with. And then coming up, growing up, seeing uh, Tony Todd being the first kind of like iconic black uh, you know slasher in the, in the genre, uh, and seeing him with Candyman. So that was something you know back in 1992. Growing up with that, being from Chicago, that was like a, a an urban legend uh, with Candyman. You don't want to say it in the mirror five times. So, you know, uh, that was something I grew up with as well. And, uh, you know, going back to all the way to 1968 with uh, George Romero with having the first kind of black Dwayne Jones playing a lead uh, African-American in a horror film and kind of taking the league and taking, uh, you know, the reins by his hand. So that was something all the way back in the 60s that George uh, Romero brought to the light. It's having a black man leading a zombie film. So definitely some... Um, some people to pay uh, some props to. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, I don't think I know some of those ones, so I'm definitely going to have to add them to my list to after this. We have a couple of comments of some suggestions. Let's see. XVN Richport says, I remember as a kid, there was a PBS show called Ghostwriter that I think was the first mm. time I can remember a cast with mostly minorities. Did you guys yeah, watch I remember that? that. Oh. I, I wasn't dedicated to it. I was very familiar with it. And actually, Apple TV Plus, they uh, uh, revamped it. And I know they have like two seasons of it. And, and they did that in Amazing Stories. That was back in the day with uh, Steven Spielberg. So yeah, I know Apple kind of have uh, re revised those shows for a newer audience. So yeah, Ghostwriters were something back in the day. I remember as a kid for sure mm -hmm. now i'm curious what do you guys think makes good representation for women and people of color in horror films and what mm. makes bad representation i don't know if you want to you know talk about kind of what goes into when when you feel like they did a good job and when you feel like they failed us <laughs> Well, again, going back to what I was talking about earlier with Jordan Peele, for example, uh, and particularly like us <clears throat> showing Lupita Nyong'o and, and Wilson Duke uh, as a, as a black family going on vacation and having just kind of you know a, a good and not the father wasn't missing, you know, it wasn't a single mom growing up, you know, raising these two kids. It was a family, and that was so like refreshing to see on the screen, and also not being killed off as you had mentioned earlier within the first five minutes of the film. It was their movie to tell. So I think again. When you have people of color, women representing, you know, women writing for women or blacks or Latinx writing for their culture, I think you get that, you know, them making it number one, making it to the end of the movie, but also having like nuances in the, in the performances and talking about uh, social commentary and things of that nature. So I think, again, Jordan Peele to me seems to be that person right now that really wants to tell important stories and, and telling stories with, you know, black creators in, in, in front of the camera, behind the camera. So I think Jordan Peele has really been knocking on the park lately. Uh, and then you, you talked earlier about Jennifer Kent uh, with the Boba Doke and uh, the Nightingale. I think that she tells stories of showing, you know, women, what they go through of, you know, I think of the Boba Doke, her and her uh, losing her husband, having to be a, a single mom and how that comes of it and telling that story, but also the brutality of uh, the Nightingale and how she kind of tells that story of women back in the day, how they would just being used and for just for their body's purposes and not being able to have a voice. So I think that Jennifer Ken is another person that tells stories of women and, and has the authenticity of, of just true, raw, honest, grit type of film. So Jennifer Kent, Jordan Peele come to mind as some people that definitely kind of lead that conversation. Absolutely. Those are great examples. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of people are mentioning here, you know, when you get an authentic story, when you, 
you know, yeah. when you have an authentic story, you know, which yep. I think you get when you have people, I feel like we talk about this a lot on the show, but mm. when you have people of those backgrounds being able to uh, get the opportunity to stories, you know, I think yep. vampires versus the Bronx, it felt like a more authentic story. And then you, right. you know, you have more fun with it because you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I would do. That's so funny. You're like, Oh, we would do that. We have those at home, you know? Mm. Um, and you know, I guess not every story relates to everyone, but I think right. every story is, a you know a human story, human story. so you, yeah. you know everybody can relate to something in it i feel that when it comes to like a bad representation it always has to be that they play the stereotype yeah and when they play a stereotype it's just like uh leaves a like a sour taste in your mouth like because us we want to feel represented so when we see something that it's clearly clearly not it yeah. <laughs> you're like no that ain't it no but even though like in good representations, when we see just a little, like a small bit of representation, we're content with it in a sense. Like, mm -hmm. I, like I said, when we were watching Vampires versus the Bronx, we, we just seeing like the small Puerto Rican flag, it was just like, oh my God, this is it. Or when getting out of the horror subject, when um, they throw out the, the picture of Sp uh, Spider-Man with Miles Morales with the uh, Puerto Rican flag, like behind him, everybody, like us in my community, we were like, oh my God, like, look, it's us. Mm. So in a sense, um, when it comes to stereotypes, please do not <laughs> use como que, like basic words or try to play like physically something that it looks bad in a sense, like, oh, you're gonna make like fun of the social, um, physical, social, like, stuff from the people. Because, uh, um, for example, here in Puerto Rico, they like to tend to make fun in the com comedy. They like to tend fun, make people fun of the lower income. And they mm -hmm. do it mostly, like, in physical comedy. So that's why, that's something that is bad representation in film in general and also yeah. in horror, that they obviously, they tend to kill out um, the minorities in it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, you see in yeah. even in Vampires versus the Bronx, the, the vampires say, well, we're killing people that nobody's going to care about, you know, and yeah. making mm -hmm. like these people in this community are, you know, less than because yeah. of, you know, where they live and the color of their skin and maybe like different socioeconomic statuses and things yeah. like that. Um, but I think that they were doing it in a way that like worked because we're trying to show that these people are terrible and we so that our community are going to come together and fight mm -hmm. these vampires. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I do think that a lot of times, like, you know, Latinos are portrayed as like, you know, the maids or like people that are you know, dealing drugs and different things like that. When like, when you look at, it's so interesting because when you look at those communities, actually uh, those, you know, people could be doing a lot of different things. Maybe there's yeah. those things. There are also doctors or scientists or teachers and you know it's like you get once you see a certain um thing in a film like you know, that's kind of sometimes what people take away from it and think that's what people are like and it's like well actually yeah. there's a whole range of jobs that they could have not just these things that you like assume that they're lower class or something like mm -hmm. that so yeah definitely agree that like they could definitely do more to show a wider range of the type of people that are in different projects like like horror yeah. um yeah. and and like you mentioned elliot you know seeing a family in us 
like how crazy is it that that feels refreshing to see a yeah. family when like i'm sure you see black families all around you know we all see black yeah, families all around. yeah screen is like yeah. wow yeah thank you for <laughs> for representing yeah. us and I mean, they they go on they right they they go on vacation to their summer house. You know, uh, Winston Duke's character is like the corny dad. He's telling dad jokes throughout the film, right? So it's just like we we all you know we we come from different backgrounds, but we all can relate to just you know family stuff that we go through. And and there's always something to connect to. So I love when uh, again playing against the grain or playing against stereotypes, and and not just because a lot of times when you do see a lot of those classic films that I grew up on whether it be in the 80s or the 70s, whether it be Halloween, Michael Myers, you know, Jason, uh, Freddie, you know, back then it was just like, oh, we'll just, we'll put a black person in or a Latin person and they'll be, the, they'll, we'll just use them for, for the kills or just stereotype, you know, he, the black person's the basketball player or, you know, uh, they don't have a dad in their life or they're still, like you said, you guys said, they're selling drugs. It's just like, come on guys. It's just like, we do more, we have a lot more stories to tell. We do the same things you do. We can have, you know, a black principal or, you know, a head of a cheerleader is a Latinx character. I mean, it's it's so much to tell. And I think that's where Hollywood now is starting to realize that there are more stories to tell. There are more creators to tell these stories. And, and hopefully, uh, again, with Amisha Green, a Jordan Peele, you know, someone like Jennifer Kent uh, and so on and so forth are, are telling these stories. Lupita Nyong'o are telling these stories that, uh, you know, show us being represented on the screen, man. Yeah, absolutely. and I often feel like that the minorities become the secondary character and they're like not fully developed or yeah, their yep. characters are mostly like racial stereotyping when it comes to like, oh, it is the shaman or the medicine man, the one that they yeah. go to for like, to like a spiritual guide in a sense. So it's like mm -hmm. racial stereotyping. Yeah. yeah, that's called. I think that's called something like, the, like uh, you know, having mystical people of color yeah. that like, mm -hmm. they, come, they you need them to help you, and then they usually end up getting killed off, or you know, yeah. martyr or something. And uh, you know, never have like you know, they're used more for like exposition, but not really to have a role, yeah. um, which is always so frustrating. Um, and also, what you what you said also brought to mind like a lot of times I feel like they'll use um, people of color as like the best friend who is supporting the lead character, but mm -hmm. never developed and has their own story, which is also frustrating to see because it's like. We don't, you know, we don't just live to serve the main character. <laughs> serve the our main character in our own stories, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or by the end of the day, they're like just a comedic event that they just break the fourth wall and say, "Hey, I think I'm gonna die next," or like something like that. It it becomes a comedy at the end. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, got a, a great comment here from uh, from Adam Daly in Latinx Book Corner talking about Lupita Nyong'o. Um, in the zombie comedy Little Monsters last year, which that was a fun one. I don't know if you guys yeah, checked that out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely yeah. a great one. You know, we got to see her being a teacher, kicking mm -hmm. butt, saving these kids, and she like never let go of her like positive attitude. Right. Yeah, Lupita, she's she's a, a a national treasure. She can't do any wrong in my eyes. She is fantastic, and she's so versatile, right? Uh, I love Lupita Nyong'o, and I hope that she uh, continues to to, to dip her feet in the horror realm because she she's so great. She has that look too. It's like there's certain actresses like I think of her in the last like five years, whether it be Tony Collette and Hereditary, Lupita Nyong'o and Us. Um, you know, more recently with Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss or uh, Emily Blunt in Quiet Place. There are just certain actresses that just have that presence. And you 
you just feel their pain, you feel their energy, you feel them wanting to defeat whatever is in front of them. So I love looking at Nwango. Yeah, the, and I think these women that you mentioned all have really great, like, kind of different roles than you necessarily see in horror. Like a lot of times yeah. women are the damsels in distress or, yep. you know, the final girl. And, and a lot of these women are, you know, really fighting. Um, at, but it doesn't feel like a typical final girl like story. It feels like they're like, yeah. you know, real yeah. women fighting for their lives or fighting for their families and the people around them. And um, yeah. it's always really great to see because, you know, we're fighters. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think of uh, going back to my my love of the '80s uh, in the '70s. You know, you think of a uh, uh, a Ripley, right, from uh, the first Aliens. Uh, you know, she was a badass uh, and was the last one to fight off the Xenomorphs. Or you know, Sarah Connor. You know, in the first Terminator, which is a, a horror thriller versus the the second one being a sci fi action film. But Sarah Connor, man, she was no one to mess with. Man, she she took on Arnold. So. I think of those uh, uh, icons, and then even today, you know, like I said, I think uh, the the way we perceive Scream Queens, because we don't really get slashers like we used to anymore, or, or get kind of like that that final girl type of vibe, unless you you know ready or not, or things like that. But they're kind of reinventing what a final girl can do in in cinema, and I kind of like again, whether it be those incredible actresses uh, that I just mentioned, uh, and even throwing in Florence Pugh into the mix in uh, Midsummer, uh, her performance there, and her kind of being the ultimate final girl per se. So I love how they're kind of reinventing that uh, stereotype of a final girl. Taking back um, the one that shapes and rules the final girl, I feel that also one important character that did that, that shaped uh, the final girl concept and the stereotype, I think it's um, Sydney from Scream. Oh, yeah. Sydney yeah. Prescott and Naomi Campbell. Okay, the film obviously talks about the stereotypes in slasher films and mm -hmm. I like how in that specific scene all of the friends are like hey this is uh, the horror tropes and he mm -hmm. was like no virgins die first but at the same time we see, we see Sydney um losing her virginity and by the end of it um she still tackles um Ghostface and at the end she's alive obviously yeah. <laughs> throughout the period of the other films so I feel like she's an important um, final girl that molded the archetype of the final girl that, hey, it's not supposed to be virgins too. It's yeah. not about sexuality. It's more like like fighting and empowering um, women in a sense. 100%. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that is definitely a, a trope within horror, you know, mm -hmm. virgins never mm -hmm. die or, or death by sex, you know, like... It's, <laughs> um, <laughs> So, oh, a comment from Adam Daly. Sydney was the yeah. breaker of the rules. <laughs> I love to go back what Anna was saying. You know, it, it was Wes Craven that did uh, mm -hmm. Scream and how he was able to reinvent it because we we know what he did with, um, you know, with uh, Wes Craven's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nancy, I think her name was Nancy in, uh, in the, uh, Wes Craven's uh, Nightmare. So him being able to reinvent another version this kind of meta version as we know from screen with sydney prescott and, and again just kind of passing torch whether it be my favorite final girl or scream queen is jamie lee curtis uh as you know um you know in the halloween franchise and seeing her laurie schrode and then from there to seeing what we get with uh sydney in the 90s so and, and i'm so excited to see nev campbell back in scream uh you know five and seeing what she has to do in that role but it yeah, definitely uh most a lot of props to sydney prescott in, in the scream franchise yeah i'd love to ask you you mentioned like how kind of like the final girl is evolving so how do you feel how do you feel it's evolved from you know do like a different version of a final girl in this new 
That's a great question. I mean, again, she's, uh, you know, Sydney Prescott, she's, uh, you know, she's a woman now. She's, I don't know if she's going to have kids in this new iteration, which again, going off of just kind of, I'm thinking of Emily Blunt and uh, Quiet Place, how she was the mother bear. You did not want to mess with, uh, you know, Emily Blunt uh, and her kids and seeing her, you know, defend her kids. So I think Sydney uh, is going to be kind of this, she's, she's, fault goes face four times now and this will be the fifth time and, and it'll be really interesting to see if she has some kids that she's going to have to if her kids going to be in high school and she's going to have to be like kind of teaching them the ropes like we saw Lori strode did in um halloween 2018 with her teaching her daughter and her granddaughter how to defend for themselves and fight against michael myers so i think Sydney's going to be a badass in this new one man i don't think it's going to be ghost face isn't going to be uh you know calling her on her phone and, and getting her off her key i think she's going to be uh kind of the 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 yoda of the of the group she's going to be a badass so i'm really looking forward to seeing her uh back in that role i feel like after a while you're just kind of like i'm done like <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see her back in that role, man, because she's so iconic. Do you guys have any final thoughts, final girls, final thoughts on uh, you know, women and people of color and horror that we haven't gotten to tackle yet? Um, I think when they used the body of women as, when they embodied women, the body's women in, in a monster way. Yeah. Because um, I feel that they like to tackle a lot of themes and and symbolism when it comes to uh, womanhood or the the difference between sex and stuff like that and, and yeah. it bodies more in the woman body. So I feel that um there's a lot of characters that they kinda do that. One of them is Carrie. Because mm -hmm. yeah. in the if we see the movie, the movie starts up with her having her period and people making fun of her and mm. by and throughout the film we see her progress with her telekinesis but at the same time it's her emotions so like that so i also feel that it's it's kind of symbolic in a way it, like because yeah. they tackle they they tackle like oh maybe she's a monster so like that but she's not a monster she's like tackling womanhood in a sense and I feel yeah. that they to do that a lot in films. The other film, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is called Teeth. That mm -hmm. also yep. tackle uh, the purity and consent mm -hmm. in a way. And then we have uh, other positive films in a sense, being a little masochist here, but it's called The Love Witch. Oh, where, I that. Never, yeah, I haven't heard that one either. <clears throat> Okay, so where the main character is a woman, is a woman that she's a witch, but she's she uses her body to like seduce men, but at the same time she wants to feel empowered. She wants to like have revenge mm. at the same time. So it's a it's a tackle in in the final girls in a sense that they are the monsters, but yeah. sometimes it could be empowering, and sometimes it's the other way around. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Um, you know, there. I feel like they use that a lot, like puberty and and becoming a woman and like periods and stuff, as yeah. uh, in a lot of different kind of like horror esque ways, like it, with witches. Like a lot of times, they use that. That's how they like come into their magic. You know, it's like you're 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 you know you turn a certain age and now you like mm -hmm. become a woman slash you're you come into your magic and you're a witch. Um, or like you said, um, kind of like demonizing, but with Carrie, like demonizing this girl who's like coming into 
herself and coming into her womanhood and then mm -hmm. turning that into a negative thing. And, and it kind of makes it like, in a way it can make those things seem scary. Like, oh no, maybe I don't want to, <laughs> you know, get my period or something. Cause then it's like, you become this <laughs> monstrous creature, yeah. you know? Like, and um, it's, it's definitely, I think, problematic uh, to show these like, you know, these things that are basically making it so that like when you grow up and become a woman, you become yeah. either this monster or you become this thing to be afraid of or, 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 you know, as you said, well, kind of the opposite of what you said, um, you know, like you see a lot of these, like, um, you know, like the death by sex uh, trope in, in horror, you know, um, where it kind of just like makes these things seem like terrifying. <laughs> and it's like, you know, demonizing these things that are supposed to be natural. Um, and yeah, definitely gives you a lot to think about, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Carrie is like right on the head. I mean, literally they poured a bucket of blood on her at the end of the film just to kind of really hit that on the head as far as womanhood so yeah i think it's um it's something that you know unfortunately back in the earlier days and we see it every now and then in modern horror films but definitely back in the day that was just like yeah virgin's blood or like you you mentioned sabrina uh, or you know we turned a certain age when she turned 16 she is you know satan's daughter and she has to take on uh especially in a tv show she has to become the the queen of hell and all that stuff so it is very interesting how they use that kind of that allegory of kind of womanhood and this like the end of the world when a woman becomes a woman now and she has to embrace herself that it's a bad thing and it's just like what what is going on and why are men telling these stories of a coming of age of a woman in her in her own body and sexuality um you know, I think of a film more recently in 2018, Luca Guadagnino's uh, Suspiria and how they handled uh, body horror and kind of uh, how women, the witches of that cult, uh, you know, kind of took command and kind of took the lead in of a sense uh, and, and uh, what Luca did with that story. So I thought that was really interesting and kind of flipping that on its head. So, yeah, it's it's crazy how back in the day people just let that stuff slide, man, of just. Yeah, uh, it's like, you couldn't do that now. <laughs> No, you know, um, but the body horror that you mentioned also made me think of that uh, the the mortuary collection. Oh, that yeah. was a crazy body horror moment, and not one that I think we've really, at least not one that I've seen before with uh, Jacob Elordi. Jacob Elordi, yeah, with the with the yeah, given the birth <laughs> table, yeah. Imagine it was intense, you know. Yeah. Uh, but um, I think that you know I've never seen something like that before. So that was definitely a, kind of like a swap on that idea um, for women. And mm -hmm. really, honestly, it really did feel like a gender swap of yeah. a situation that we probably have seen in horror, where like this woman um, was kind of the one that's like being like the stud, if you will. Yeah, you know? he, he would use women as like trophies and like yeah. even with women was like a way to get more respect in his fraternity. And, and she uh, had her own agendas and, uh, you know, took the whole one night stand yeah. into another perspective, no less. Uh, uh, but yeah, that was a very interesting story, no, to, no doubt. Back to uh, our final thoughts. Any Any final thoughts, Elliot? Yeah, I mean, horror has been, uh, again, I was uh, watching some stuff that I shouldn't have been watched when I was a young kid, but it's definitely kind of shaped my mind and just seeing the different perspective of cinema and how, you know, these horror stories can be used to tell stories of humanity and the the ugly nature of hu of humankind and how people could be selfish and slashers putting themselves before others and vice versa. But versus like a film like we just talked about uh, with Vampires versus the Bronx, when you come together in a community sense, how much you can, you know, overcome evil and things of that nature. So 
I've always been a fan of horror, whether it be slashers. Uh, the older I've gotten, I guess this would be a great question for the panel. Is like, what kind of horror do you guys speak to the most? Do you like the body horror, slashers? Uh, you know, more comedy horror. Uh, do you like the the torture horror? Like, what kind of horror just speaks to you guys more? For me personally, it's more of the psychological kind of demonic nature. The older I've gotten, a lot of like those stuff is like really kind of hit me, like the ghost and the cults and that stuff. Just I don't know why it speaks to me more uh, versus when I was younger. It was more of the slashers, but um, you know, I just love the different conversations that we had in horror in the in the different directions you guys, you know, that we, we mentioned with the subject matter of gentrification and how they were able to put a spin on that and, and seeing some other social commentary what Jordan Peele does in his film and having that conversation being in the lens of a horror genre. So uh I just love what horror has to say and, and when done right, you get some of the best stories. Yeah, I love uh psychological horror Pilate. as well. Like when you're really, yeah. you know, you have to think and you have to connect things. And I love yeah. when we talk about, you know, like social issues, like some of the mm -hmm. projects we mentioned, mm -hmm. like Relic and Us and Get Out. Um, but I also love like, you know, a little bit of a campy, like fun. So like, fun, yeah, the, like the, yeah. the Bronx, uh, Vampires versus the Bronx, like that was one that, you know, it's just, you know, it's just fun. You know, sometimes you mm -hmm. just want to laugh a little bit. Or, but I really love when they can kind of do a little bit of all of that, when it's a little bit yeah. funny, scary, makes you yep. think. I mean, like Haunting of Hill House is probably like, you know, oh, a really great example of, you know, it. that kind of mm -hmm. like, I'm shook, you know, I, mm -hmm. I love that kind of stuff. What about you, Anna? Um, I think this might take it like let women do horror, because one of the like great one of the great stories have always come have come out of like women, like please let her get let her have opportunities to write and direct more horror movies and more films. Yeah, if they, movies that we have come to come to love, like um, for example American Psycho, as it was written by a woman, and we have the Babadook and we have uh, the Invitation, so. Yeah, just we need more uh, the opportunities for them to express the social commentaries that they want to do in the because of they want to do through horror and such. So yeah, that's <laughs> that is honestly my take on on all of this. Oh, if yeah, we participation um, in the POC. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Now, do you guys have any? Um, horror projects coming up that you're like really anticipating. You know, well, there's a lot of stuff coming out for, for Yeah, I would say, moment. unfortunately, with 2020, a lot of the, the big stuff I was looking forward to kind of got pushed back. One being that we talked about her earlier uh, with um, Candyman, with um, mm -hmm. uh, Nia DaCosta. I was really looking forward to that. But as far as, I mean, literally tomorrow, um, you know, Blind Manor comes out. I, I hope I hope you guys check it out. It is a different tale than Hill House. Uh, not as horrifying or terrifying, but definitely a love story and, and has some horrific moments with the lady in the in the, uh, in the lake. But definitely that's something I, I hope people check out. Uh, the last couple of weeks we got in small independent films. We talked about 12-hour uh, shift. Uh, Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor, which is a great body psychological horror film, which I highly recommend you all check that out. Very thought-provoking uh, sci-fi horror film. Um, and then Later this month on, on Hulu, we're getting Bad Hair, which I've heard a lot of great things from out of the film festival. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's something growing up in the black community, growing up with uh, my mom and my grandmother, hair, a black woman's hair. I mean, women's hair in general, but you know, in the black community where I grew up, you don't play with a black woman's hair. I love to kind of put in a twist on that. Uh, so that's something I'm looking forward to. And then just kind of looking at the calendar, I guess witches, we were talking about like fun whore. That was something I grew up with back in the day. Oh, yeah. and, um, you yeah. know, seeing Robert Semeckis and uh, Anne Hathaway on HBO Max, that'll be fun. 
Um, and I don't really think there's nothing else really that's going to be coming out. Um, I guess we, we, we're getting um, freaky with uh, oh, Vince Vaughn and the body switch. Yeah, seeing you know what, what they have with that. So hopefully we get some things to keep us busy uh, with everything being delayed to next year. <laughs> What about you? Any you're excited for, Anna? Um, sadly, because of the pandemic, most of the horror films that I really wanted to check out got pushed back. It was obviously Anna Costa's Candyman, but we yeah. also got Saint Maud, which was directed by a woman. Yeah. It also yep. got pushed back. And what was the other film that? I know oh, we were supposed yeah. to get uh, Antlers was one I was looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, it was yeah. from uh, Guillermo del Toro, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Chris Rock Spiral was another one on my list that I was excited for. Quiet Place 2. Uh, don't, get, don't get me crying on the stream of all the films <laughs> that we get pushed back to 2021. It's it's very yeah. de depressing. <laughs> and last yeah. year, Soho, it was supposed to like yeah. be by the end of this year, but, well... <laughs> We're not getting it. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely the 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 ones that I'm definitely gonna check out is obviously Hill House, which is comes tomorrow. And you just mm -hmm. remember me that witches. I definitely love the first one. It was really fun to watch. Yeah. So I'm gonna check that one out too. <laughs> Definitely. I'm I'm definitely excited for Freaky. Um, I also have been really excited for the Welcome to the Blumhouse uh, films that uh, yeah, yeah. Doing with Amazon. I, I really liked um, Black Box. The lie was Kristen, let's be honest, the lie was terrible. It was yeah. so bad. Oh I mean, man, I didn't like just that film. So <laughs> obvious. Gonna have, like, oh my goodness. That the whole like the whole setup started. I was like <sighs> I think we all know where this is going. Um, but Black Box, I really liked, and I'm really yeah, interested yeah. to see Nocturne and Evil Eye. Like, Evil I've, Eye, yeah. I've mm -hmm. never seen a you know an Indian American horror film, so mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that's going to be really really cool yeah. uh, to dive into. I want to thank you guys so much for joining me. You'll yeah. able to find out more information and links to Pop Culture Planet and our guests below. But if you want to follow Elliot and Anna Sophia, do you guys want to share where they can find you? Um, Anna Sophia, you want to go first? So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as Anna underscore Sophia 53. Um, my blog is linked on my Twitter and in my Instagram and check us on film posters on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and YouTube where we do um, film reviews. Awesome. awesome. What about you, Elliot? Yeah, uh, again, I I'm so glad to be back and uh, hopefully can make another uh, appearance. I love talking, whether it be horror or comic books with you. I, I love being on the show. So thank you for having me on again. Uh, but yeah, guys, check me out on YouTube. Again, uh, talking about the latest movies, whether it be big movies, small movies, and everything in between. And then uh, trying to talk about the, the, the hot new shows on television. Again, Lovecraft Country, The Boys, which we have the finale tomorrow of that. Uh, a couple new shows like Luca Guadagnino's We Are Who We Are. Uh, Jude Law's new show, The Third Day on HBO, and just so many great things I love to talk about with you all on a weekly basis. So check me out on YouTube, uh, Instagram, and Twitter uh, to get some of my latest movie uh, insights on some of the, the delays of the films or who's being cast in this role or Doctor Strange being in Spider-Man 3. If you guys want to get my opinions on that stuff, follow We're me on those social going media to accounts. Plus, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, so great. Thank you so much. And if you're interested in following the podcast, you can follow me pretty much everywhere at Kmaldo um, or the show at Pop Culture Planet Podcast on Instagram or at 
Pop Cult Planet on Twitter. You can catch new episodes of the show every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. EST. And if you watch the live video version of the of Pop Culture Planet on my channel, youtube.com slash Kimaldo, you'll be able to join in on the conversation in real time and stick around for the Q&A at the end of the show that's not in the audio podcast. Episodes are available on all of your favorite podcast listening platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. And if you enjoy the episodes, consider subscribing so you know when a new one's posted. Rate and review this podcast and share it with your fellow pop culture lovers. Thanks for listening. It's been a blast and talk to you next week.